Welcome to the Liberty Cafe, where oppression is on the menu. I'm glad you're with us today on episode 23 of the Liberty Cafe, and pleased to be in partnership with Texas Scorecard and Scorecard Media as our sponsors. And I'm also particularly pleased today to have James Quintero with me. He is the policy director for the Government for the People campaign at the Texas Public Policy Foundation. And he came to the foundation quite a few years ago to start working with Representative Talmadge Heflin on our fiscal policy, and trying to stop the big spending that was going on in Texas Capitol. And then he turned to another problem that he'd identified, which was big spending and a lot of other problems at the local government. And he's been going at and after folks in local government for a long time, trying to expand local liberty. Bill, always a pleasure. Congrats on the new program. Uh, I, I hear very good things about it. So. Well, thanks. So, James, you've been here for a while and you've seen a lot of things. Hence the gray hairs, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But but sometimes it seems that it's kind of hard to see stuff. I mean, you're trying to fix things and you're trying to get in there and understand how you can make government more efficient, how you can promote liberty, all those kind of things. But sometimes it's sort of important to see what they're actually doing. And that's not always been the easiest thing to do, has it? Uh, it's very true. So when, when I first got here back in the early days of uh, 2008, what, what we were assigned to do initially was to launch a project called Texas Budget Source. Um, and, and Texas Budget Source was an effort to kind of catalog every local government's budget, um, financial statement, and check register in one location so that a person wouldn't have to go searching for, um, you know, kind of this uh, this information that may or may not be online on a website that may or may not exist. Uh, you know, even back then, uh, many jurisdictions didn't have websites whatsoever. So, what, what we again, what we tried to do was compile all of this information in a, a one-stop shop, and then put it online for people to access. Now, the way we went about getting the information was we had to submit Public Information Act requests to every jurisdiction. Uh, and at the time, there were probably about 4,000 or so different local government bodies. So uh, it was an ambitious effort, <laughs> to say the least. Um, you know, something that, uh, by the way, uh, has absolutely characterized this place. We, uh, we think big around here. So, so we went about um, getting that information. And I'll tell you, we had some mixed success. Um, to their credit, a lot of the larger local governments provided that information um, in relatively easy fashion. There wasn't, there weren't too many hoops that we had to jump through in order to get it. But it was really the smaller local governments where it was like pulling teeth. And in some cases, uh, we were successful after a bit of wrangling. In other cases, I can remember a lot of jurisdictions didn't even acknowledge our existence. I mean, absolutely had. And wanted to do and wanted nothing to do with us. So, you know, I, I learned about the Public Information Act uh, very early on, and a lot of those lessons learned, I would say, kind of stay with me today about 
you know, how to how to go about getting information from certain actors, um, how to phrase it properly, what to do when they respond with something that you know maybe maybe is a little antagonistic or uh, unfriendly. You know, there's a lot of things you pick up uh, uh, once you've sent out a few thousand public information act requests and start getting in the weeds like that. It seems also to be purposeful that you're not getting information from people, and it's it's hard to get not just because of the system, but because people don't want to give it to you. And I know over the last couple of years, you've been involved with a coalition with newspapers and, and other organizations that have been trying to change the system because some people just don't want to give up their information. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, you know, the way I approach this issue of open government is this, right? You know, Public information really is is about arming people with the knowledge they need to hold their elected officials accountable, right? Without that data and information, the public really has no avenue by which to to say that local officials are, or state and local officials are doing a good job or a bad job. You know, one of the most uh, I think instructive things that I did at the start, believe it or not was read a portion of the Texas government code. Now, in full disclosure, I am not a lawyer and I do not like reading statutes. <laughs> but for anybody who's curious, I really do encourage you to go read the preamble to the Texas Public Information Act. It's the government code 552. The starting language there really, I think, sets forth a compelling vision of what was intended for us to enjoy. Now, we've moved away from that in, in, in some respects, but I, I really do think the language there speaks to what we should be aiming for. I just want to read just a small bit. I sure. promise not to bore you too much with state law, but, but a portion of that preamble reads like this. The people in delegating authority do not give their public servants the right to decide what is good for the people to know and what is not good for them to know. The people insist on remaining informed so that they may retain control over the instruments they have created. Right. So, so again, it's this, this theme of accountability that's emphasized in, in the text. And, and so when we joined the Texas Sunshine Coalition during the last legislative session, that was very much an animating idea. It, it was one of the, the reasons we joined this huge left-right coalition, because I think we had seen a lot of the erosion that had occurred over the, over the years, and to some extent still exists, you know, with regard to the Public Information Act. And so we, we joined this coalition, uh, again, about an 18-member group of left and right, uh, and a few center groups as well, and we set about trying to reformat the Public Information Act in a way that would strengthen the public's ability to access public data and information. And I, I would say, you know, much to the credit of Senator Watson and Representative Capriglione, the Texas Co uh, Sunshine Coalition enjoyed a lot of success. And we were able to really, I think, address some of the major concerns, some of the deficiencies that had arisen over the years. Um, for anybody who, who wants to look a little bit further into it, you know, the Texas Supreme Court really came down with, I think, two tough decisions that that, that put requesters at a disadvantage. And, and you know, the, one being uh, the case involving Boeing, where basically um, 
you know, public contracts with private firms were being withheld from the public in some cases if a private firm uh, claimed the competitive uh, claimed the competitive disadvantage exception. And then the second had to do with the Greater Houston Partnership, where um, it was really almost about redefining what a publicly supported entity was. And so, you know, those were those were two of the areas where we really massed support and went out, but went at the legislature in an attempt to reform and rejigger the system in a good way. Um, and and again, much to the credit of lawmakers, they they went about and did it with. Uh, Senate Bill 943 and Senate Bill 944 really changed, I think, uh, the scope of the Public Information Act um, in a good way. Um, and, and so we went into this interim period thinking, you know, uh, a lot of the problems had been solved, but boy, were we wrong. <laughs> well, that kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier is just because the law says one thing doesn't mean that the government's going to actually go along with it. Yeah. So that's, you know, there, there are um, some shades of gray within the law, certainly. So one of the challenges that I see that existed both pre-COVID as well as today is you have a lot of local governments who will perhaps cite to an exception in the law and appeal to the Texas Attorney General. Um, and sometimes... Sometimes they're right, sometimes they're right, but oftentimes they're not. And, and what I've come to believe, at least, is that they are um, apt to do something like that so as to delay the process and perhaps just get the requester to go away. Right? I, I think oftentimes that's that's kind of you know uh, that's something that I noticed in the system itself is, you know, a lot of these governments think that if they can just delay, 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 the interested party will just kind of show themselves out. Well, that that's a problem, actually, I, I've had recently. As, as you know, I'm working on a lot of energy issues, and the Texas Public Utility Commission a little while back uh, imposed this tax, electricity tax on Texans to make electricity more expensive because uh, – at least to hear the, the generators tell it, they weren't making enough money. And so the PUC decided to go along with that and, and raise the price, artificially raise the price of electricity. Well, that's going ongoing during summer months. And so middle of August or so, when that was in the middle of going on, I sent a public information request to the PUC because I thought it'd be timely for people to know how much their electricity bills were going up and somewhat close to real time because I was aware that the PUC had related information to this. And so they objected a whole lot of different reasons. Uh, there's exceptions in there for you know, whether you're going to use this for trial and, and things like that, or if it's proprietary information. And so they threw out this whole blanket of uh, possible exceptions where they could withhold it. That went over to the Attorney General's office, um, the group I'm with submitted a letter to the Attorney General's office stating why we thought the PUC was wrong. And then the PUC came back and said, you know, we're not going to, we don't think we're wrong, but we're just not going to make that claim anymore that we should be exempted. And we're going to go ahead and release the information. But at that point in time, it's in the Attorney General's hands. They, they don't have to do anything until the Attorney General comes back and rules. 
And so it's October now, and we're still waiting for the attorney general. And now we're two, three, four months after the place where all this damage was going on. And so there's the information is going to come out, but it's going to come out when maybe nobody's paying attention to it because electricity prices are down. Who, who cares anymore? So I think that's an example of the kind of thing that you see governments doing. Make yeah. us go away or delay us anyway. No, that's exactly right. And, and, and you know, uh, that story actually brings to mind. Anyway, I believe it was a few years ago in the city of Boston and some of the surrounding governments got together and they wanted to submit this big proposal to Amazon to, to entice it to locate its HQ2 gear, right? It was going to be the, the new big thing here in, in Austin. And one of the frustrations that, that kind of uh, arose out of that situation is you know, I had the unfortunate task of going around to these different governmental entities submitting PIAs in an effort to figure out what it is exactly that you're trying to put taxpayers on the hook for. Like, you know, how much money is at stake here? And, you know, I went to, I can't tell you, it, it was a, a, a huge number of local governments because it was a big coalition at the time. And, uh, you know, I went around asking different people for information, seeing if I could get lucky. And, what I ended up hitting was a, a brick wall. Um, they refused to release any information at all, basically saying we have not submitted anything to Amazon. Well, I knew that was a lie, uh, in some sense at least, because the, the Austin Chamber of Commerce was was touting the fact that you know they were leading the fight to get Amazon's HQ2 here. And so, kind of find out after jumping through some hoops, the city. Uh, and some of some of their colleagues worked with uh, worked with the chamber to submit the proposal on behalf of the region's taxpayers. So they used effect they effectively used a nonprofit as a shield to guard against you know any kind of public information act that could maybe muck up their their proposal. And and in that way they were able to I think deny taxpayers the right to access some really important information. I mean. We were talking about huge numbers here, even after the fact, even after uh, Amazon chose a different location, neither the city nor any of those other entities has ever come forward with that information. So, you know, sometimes they delay you and sometimes they just outright deny you. <laughs> it's, it's really contrary to the law, or at least the spirit of the law. Wasn't that at least part of the issue that the Sunshine Coalition was working on, or was that not directly addressed in that? You know, it was one of the one of the items that the, the Texas Public Policy Foundation brought forward um, as part of a, an overall reform package. Unfortunately, it got kind of pushed to the side as the process moved along. But I really do think uh, at some future point, we need to address the the problem of local governments using either quasi public private entities or nonprofits and like as shields against the PIA because it, it really creates some some huge problems from an open government standpoint. Well James really appreciate you being with us today. Bill, thanks for having me on again always a pleasure. And thanks to all the listeners out there for joining us on the Liberty Cafe and to our sponsor, Scorecard Media.